Well, good morning, Adam Brook. How are we? It's good. Um, hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, just want to give you a warm welcome. So glad that you're here uh, with us, and we just want you to sit back, just relax, enjoy the rest of the service. If you're watching online, glad you're tuned in. Uh, we know we have people who are watching locally, but also all, all across the world. So we're glad you're, you're with us this morning. And um, hey, Edinburgh, I, I kind of have some exciting news just want to share with you. Uh, for those of you who were here last week or heard the message last week, um, you heard me give an invitation for people to uh, text in and let us know if they wanted to uh, invite Jesus into their life. And uh, we got a lot of texts. We got a lot of people saying they wanted to recommit their lives uh, to Christ. But just based on the number of people who responded to follow-up emails from us and and gave us more information, we had 29 first-time decisions last week. And so, um, yeah, way to go. If that was you last week who made that decision, I'm just going to say way to go to you. Uh, that's the best decision any of us can make, and um, we're so happy for you. I'm told all of heaven is rejoicing as a result of that decision, and I want to say way to go, Edinburgh Church, uh, for helping us to, to live out uh, this mission, to see people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Well, we are in our series called Simplify, and uh, we're really talking about how do we declutter our lives, declutter our souls from those things that get in the way of us just experiencing God's peace in our life. Those things that get in the way of us just being able to have breathing room in our lives. And that's the hope of this series. We want you to have less stress. We want you to have more peace. And God's Word teaches us how to have more breathing room in our lives when we simplify our lives. And this morning, I'm going to talk about our finances. Um, because as a pastor, I can tell you probably more than anything, when I, when I hear people say, I am just feeling overwhelmed with life, pastor, more times than, than, than not, it has to do with where they're at financially and the financial pressures they're feeling. And so uh, in this series, we, we've got to deal with this topic. It got me thinking uh, this last week just about where Danielle, my wife, and I have come from. Uh, we got married uh, pretty, pretty young. I was 21 when we got married. We were both still in college. I was making $1,000 a month on a good month, okay? And uh, we lived in an apartment that was just over uh, 600 square feet. Um, to put that in perspective, by the way, that's just a little bigger than the rotunda out in the lobby, Okay, for those of you who know that open area out in the lobby, I know because we just measured it a couple weeks ago because Pastor Tyler wants to put a trampoline in there for the youth, okay? Um, so we actually measured That's about 500 square feet. Um, he's not going to get a trampoline, by the way, uh, just so you know. Uh, but I was like, wow, this is just a little smaller than our first apartment, 600 square feet. Uh, we eventually um, moved down to Dallas, Texas, so I could go to graduate school down there, um, Again, I was making $1,000 a month. We were driving around in this car uh, that had been given to us. Uh, literally, the, the fabric on the ceiling was falling down, and the trim along the, the, the doors was coming off. It would get in the way of, of, of being able to see through the windshield. We eventually had to just rip it off. And uh, down in Texas, you actually have to pass a state inspection. And... Uh, <laughs> We had every check engine light and everything that could come on this car would come on. And if they saw that, you automatically failed the inspection. But I learned if you poured a certain chemical into the gas tank, and if you disconnected the battery 
and then reconnected it, you could drive up to 10 miles before all the check engine lights came back on. And so that's what I would do so we could just pass the state inspection. That's the way we, we rolled. You know, we were, we were poor. That's all there, there, there is to it. I mean, we, you know, the idea of going on a vacation, uh, the idea of eating at a, at a sit-down restaurant, these things were out of the question for us. But, but I got to tell you, these are some of the happiest, best memories of my life. For the most part, we were content. Ironically, it wasn't until we, we, we got a little older, started making a little more money, bought our first house, when we started struggling with discontentment. And so I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.12. I love this. He says, I have learned, underline that, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. It's something we have to learn. We're not born knowing how to be content, but the good news for all of us this morning is we can learn it. If the Apostle Paul could learn how to be content in his poverty, you can learn how to be content wherever you're at this morning. It's good news for all of us. Let me give you a definition uh, for contentment. You can define it this way. Contentment it's simply the freeing condition of the soul when I decided that what I have is enough. It's the freeing condition of the soul when I've decided that what I have is enough. Okay, and so this morning, here's all I want to do. I just want to talk about five ways we free our souls so that we can experience the contentment that's available to all of us through Jesus Christ this morning. Here's where it starts, okay? It starts with, I've got to believe. If, by the way, if you have a handout, you can follow this along in your, your outline on the back. But it starts with believing that all I have comes from the loving hand of God. I must believe that all I have comes from the loving hand of God. The life that I have this morning, the breath that I have in my lungs, this is all a gift from God. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God above. Now, the problem is we start looking around at what other people have, and we start comparing ourselves. We start seeing what other people have, and we start comparing ourselves, wondering why we don't have what others have. Uh, Imagine this scenario. Imagine if I call my son downstairs and I say, "Um, Logan, I'm going to give you a a scoop of ice cream. And so I get out a bowl and I scoop him one scoop of uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream, one of our family favorites. He would sit down and all would be right in the world. But then imagine I call his sister down and I say, Kayla, Sit down, I'm going to give you some ice cream, and I get out a bowl, and in her bowl, I put two scoops of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Now, all of a sudden, Logan's world falls apart. Logan says, Dad, that's not... You know about this. (laughs) He would say, why is she getting two scoops? Why is she getting more. Yeah, it's like you guys know about this. And just a moment ago, everything was right in the world. He was fine, but when he saw what his sister got, 
All of a sudden, he lost his contentment. And he couldn't even enjoy what was in his own bowl. Friends, we do the same thing. We start looking around and we see what's in other people's bowls, what God has put in their life, and we can't enjoy what's in our own bowl. So how do you fight against that? Well, we've talked about that a lot in this series. You you practice that by giving thanks to God for what's in your bowl. You take inventory of your own life and you, 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 you stop comparing yourself to what other people have and you just say, thank you, Lord, for the things that I have in my life. Thank you. If you had the health to get in here this morning, that's something you can give God thanks for. I mean, it's something we take for granted. It's our health. Get a roof over your head. If you know how to read and write, much of the world doesn't know how to read and write and is at a serious disadvantage. How many of us just being able to take a hot shower I love a hot shower. You, I get in a hot shower. I start singing. Danielle tells me to be quiet. No, she doesn't do that. She actually harmonizes. It's a beautiful thing. These are things that we can give God things. There's so many good things in our lives where we could practice giving thanks. Okay, so that's where it starts. I've got to believe that all I have comes from the loving hand of God. I've got to stop comparing what's in other people's bowls. And I've got to focus on the good things God has put in my life. Number two, I live joyfully within God's current provision for my life. Two, I live joyfully within God's, underline this, current provision for my life. In other words, I've got to live below my means. Uh, Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, Don't worry about having enough food, drink, or clothing. Don't be like the pagans, okay, faithless people. Don't be like the pagans who run after all these things. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. That's that's our problem, friends. When we don't have faith, we run around as pagans, people without faith, and we exhaust ourselves chasing after things. We, we keep running, and we end up spending, and we end up buying things that we can't even afford. I love what one expert on debt said. He said, at the root of debt is wanting more than God's current provision for your life and arranging another way of getting it for yourself. In other words, what debt is, is saying, God, I'm not going to trust you and be content with your current provision in my life, and so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And we often do that with the credit card. And friends, when you're not content to live with what God has put in your life, you become a prime target for debt. You become a prime target for debt in your own life. Credit card companies are going to love you. I want to show you a graph, right? It's very simple. Uh, Most of us have an income. That's the line we see at the top. All of us spend. Okay, That difference in between, that's what we could call margin. That's that's breathing room in your life. Friends, as your pastor who loves you, I want you to have margin. I I want you to have that breathing room in, in your life where your spending is below your income. When that line of spending goes above our income, we call that debt. And that's when we get into trouble. Um, We've got some uh, good friends who, uh, when they they got married around the same time we did, um, one of the first things they did as a married couple is they they went on a vacation. 
And uh, they, they put it all on a credit card, and they, they told us afterwards that they, they regretted doing that um, because uh, they thought they would end up making enough money to pay off that credit card, but it just kept uh, accumulating interest and, and fees and all that. And eventually they had to put some more stuff on the credit card, and they said it just it blew up. It got beyond uh, their, their control. Um, but uh, it was starting to affect their marriage. The relationship with one another, as we know debt can do. And they eventually said, we, we've had enough. And uh, one of the first things they did is they, they purchased Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace uh, book. I don't know if any of you have read that. Uh, I want to encourage you to pick that up if you don't have it and, and, and um, are struggling with debt this morning. But they said that book changed their life. They, they said it, it, it saved uh, their marriage. They started practicing the things he talked about in that book. Uh, you'll read about something he calls the debt snowball and how to pay down your debt. Um, but it also inspired them. They actually sold their house and they downsized um, and, and eventually were able to climb out of the hole they were in. And what's so cool about their story is these are two of now the most generous people you would ever meet. If you have a need, or they know of a friend who has a need, or there's a big need in the church that they're a part of, that they are generous, they're able to give, because now they have margin in, in their life. And friends, that's what I want for you. I want you to have God's, uh, God's margin in your life. That's, that's breathing room. That's what we're talking about in this series. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you live joyfully within God's current provision. For your life, okay? So number three, I honor God by giving a tenth of all I earn to his purposes in the world. I honor God by giving a tenth of all I earn to his purposes in the world. Now, this is where people look at me like I have four heads. (laughs) But I want to show you some things the scripture says on this topic. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 6, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. In fact, the idea here is what Jesus is saying is if you will give, God will give more to you so that you can continue being even more generous. Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with the first part of your income, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. You'll move from being overwhelmed to overflowing. That's what God wants for you. Malachi 3, bring the full tithe. What is the tithe? What does that mean, tithe? It literally means a tenth. Literally what it means. It means a tenth. It's saying bring the full tenth into the storehouse, and then, here's why you have faith, because when you, you bring the tenth, and then, here's the promise, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon you. Okay, this is what God uh, teaches us all throughout uh, the scriptures. And so what I want you to do, I just want to imagine, I want you to imagine two believers, okay? They both love God, um, but one of them doesn't give a tithe, one of them does, right? Now, the one who doesn't give a tithe, this person says, um, I, I can't give a tithe because I want to get from A to B, right? I'm trying to get from A to point B, The second believer says, I'm going to give a tenth because I believe and I'm trusting that if I do that, if I trust God, I'm going to move from A to B to C. Friends, that B to C, what we call that, we call that the overflow. That's the blessing Jesus is talking about. Okay? 
The first believer says, I need my full income, or maybe I give 2% uh, to the church. That's the national average of what believers give uh, to the church. But I need most of my income if I'm going to get from A to B. But the, the second believer says, no, I'm going to give, and I'm going to trust in, in God with the, to live on 90%. And I believe if I do that, I'm going I'm to move from A to B to C. Now, here's the thing about both of these believers. They both think the other one is an idiot. The first believer, he thinks, trying to live on 90% and give temporary, hey, you're an idiot. Okay? The second believer, he says it in a lot nicer way, but he thinks trying to do finances on your own without God's provision and help in your life, he thinks he's an idiot too. My question for you this morning is which idiot do you want to be? I know which one I want to be. Friends, I can tell you, um, I became a believer when I was 17 years old. I needed all of God's help that I could get in my life. Most of you know my story. Drug addict, no hope, no future. I said, God, I need your help. I started reading scripture. I started reading about giving 10%. I said, God, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it your way. I've been giving 10% since I was 17 years old. I started young. And by the way, I talked to many of you. If you are a younger person, start young. It's a lot easier if you start young. It gets a lot harder when we get older in life. Start young. I'm so glad I did. I've been giving 10%. Um, into my marriage, Danielle and I have given 10%. We've been poor. And we gave 10%, but I can tell you, we haven't just experienced A to B living. We have truly experienced A to B to C living. Uh, we felt this calling to come up to Minnesota, both of us. We thought God had something for us here. We now know that was Edinburgh Church. But we came up here for the first year. I couldn't find a job. My first job in the ministry paid me $1,000 again a month. That's what I made. Danielle was able to transfer her job, we were able to, to buy our first home. But then a year after I started that ministry making $1,000 a month, Danielle got laid off. And she got this severance, and um, they were paying, we, we, we like parceled it out because we were like, this is how many months we can pay our mortgage and other expenses before. Before we've got to get, you know, foreclose on our home and don't know what we're going to do. But at that same time, a church was tapping me on the shoulder saying, hey, we'd like you to consider candidating to be our lead pastor. <laughs> church was Edinburgh. Friends, and I've never told you this, but the very month that her severance check ran out, I received my first paycheck from Edinburgh Church. Yeah. Friends, and I give glory to God for that. But that's, that's A to B to C living. There was this house, because we had to move, and so we wanted to, to move into the Brooklyn Park. There was this house that had just been sitting there. It was like it had our names written all over it. Like, we, like God was, was saving this house just for us. We go to the bank. The bank's like, so Danielle, what do you do, and, and how much income do you make? She's like, I don't do anything. I just got laid off. I have zero income. They looked at me and said, Brent, how much do you make? Then said, well, actually, I'm in between jobs. I'm going to be working at this church called Edinburgh. They said, do you have a pay stub? I said, no, they haven't paid me yet. They said, so let me get this right, uh, Daniel. You don't have an income. Brent, you're in between jobs, and you want us to give you this house. We said, yeah, that's right. They said, okay, sign here. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. Didn't even have a pay stub to give them. I I'm giving glory to God this morning. Don't hear this being about me. 
This is A to B to C living, and I didn't say it. It's the promise God gives us when we live in faith. That's why it takes faith. You're saying, God, I'm going to trust you with my 90%, that you're going to do more with my 90% than the other believer who's trying to live on 100. And listen to me, friends. God has been good to me more than I ever thought or imagined, but even if there was no blessing in it, I would still give him 10% because he is worthy. He's the one who died on the cross for my sin. He's the one who gave me a future and a hope when there was no future and hope. He's the one who's made a way for sinners. He deserves my 10%. And friends, I love you. I pray, I just, dude, this is not about me this morning. But I want that for you too. I want you to experience that A to B. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to have things break down on you. Don't hear me preaching prosperity gospel this morning, okay? It does mean you'll see the hand of God in your life, and when you do, it's exciting. And that brings us to the fourth one. We do live in a fallen and broken world, so you also need to set aside a portion of your earnings for an oh-no fund. You know what I mean by an oh-no fund? The car just broke down. Oh, no. The washing machine just went out. Oh, no. There's a, there's, a, there's a leak in our roof. Oh, no. Well, listen to what God tells us in his word. Proverbs 6. Take a lesson from tiny ants. Learn their ways and be wise. Even though they have no one telling them what to do, they work hard all summer to store up food for winter. Talking about a savings here. Talking about a savings account. Friends, tiny little ants that have tiny little brains know that they need a savings. They can't be that smart. And yet even they know they need to have a savings. Friends, do we know this? Experts tell us you need at least $1,000 set aside for an oh-no fund. You need $1,000. And that's why I want to encourage you, whatever you need to do, if you need to sell something, uh, if you need to, to do some extra work on the side, at least have that $1,000, because if you don't have it, then you're going to put it on the credit card, and they're going to charge you interest for it, and you could get yourself into trouble. So, so you want an oh no fund. And then once you can have $1,000 set aside in savings, then what you can start doing is you can start living by what's called the 10-10-80 rule. And this is my hope for all of you, is to live by the 10-10-80 rule. You might want to write this down in your notes. But 10 goes to God. It's 10% of your income. 10% goes into savings, and then you live off the 80. It's the 10-10-80 rule, and if you can get yourself there, friends, you will be in good shape. You'll be in good shape financially. That's my hope for all of us, because we're all going to have things that are going to break down and go wrong, okay? Well, this brings us to the last one I want to talk about this morning. And if we do all of these things, it leads to this last one. I want to get my finances in order... So I can respond to Holy Spirit promptings. I want to get my finances in order so I can respond to Holy Spirit promptings. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, 
having all that you need. Are you hearing that? You will be made rich in every way. Don't just hear me talking about our finances this morning. God's saying, I can make you rich in your relationships with other people. Rich in your marriage, your relationship with your spouse, and rich with your kids, your relationship with your, your sons and daughters, and your friends. I can make you rich in emotional health. As you're in a place where you can be a blessing to other people and experience the joy that comes out of that, I can make you rich. And why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. This is God's promise to us. That he can bless us in so many different ways so that why we can be more generous. I just heard a pastor telling the story recently. Um, He was doing work at a cafe And he noticed that his waitress seemed to be distraught. She was on the cell phone, and he could just tell something was wrong. She wasn't waiting the tables, and uh, he became concerned, and he just said a prayer. He just said a prayer for her, and as he said that prayer, he felt like God put it on his heart, I want you to leave her a generous tip. And he said, God, what does generous mean? 30% please? (laughs) Is that what we're talking about? And he said, no, I felt God telling me I needed to leave a $100 tip, so... He did. He left a $100 tip with, a, with an encouraging note, and, and he left. Came back a couple weeks later, was doing work again. He didn't really talk with the waitress. He said he was fine with that because he was trying to get work done. Um, but on his way out, she slips him this note. And uh, as he's walking to his car, he's reading this note, and she says, um, thank you so much for that tip. She says, the day you left that, I had just found out that my husband was leaving me, He was taking the house and he was taking the car. She said it was the worst day of my life. And she said that tip you gave me still reminded me there was still hope for my life. You never will know what that meant for me and my children. Friends, I don't know about you, but I want to be able to live like that. I want to be able to do that. I want to be in a place where there's enough margin in my life where if God puts a prompting in my heart to be a blessing to someone else, I can. And so my question for you this morning, friends, is it it time? For some of us this morning, is, is, is it time to get our finances in control? To start this process of taking this this seriously? so that we can have that margin in our life, so we can be a blessing to other people. If that's you, I want to give you two steps, two things that we can do, and just two challenges. First, I want to encourage you to pick up Dave Ramsey's book. Pick up Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace book. We also put the website on here. It's on your outline. Read this book. Many people have told me chapter 8 saved their life. So check that out if you get a chance. And the second thing we can do just to start this process is we can pray. Can we do that together? Can we at least pray and take it to God this morning and say, Lord, we need your blessing on our finances. Help us to get into a place where there can be margin in our life so we can listen to you and be generous towards others. I'm going to ask us at this point, if we could just stand up, I'd love to pray for us. If you're able. Let's just bow our heads. Well, Heavenly Father, I've dealt with this topic enough as a pastor to know that many of us here this morning needed to hear this message.
Lord, that, that many of us need help when it comes to our finances, that we are feeling overwhelmed and stressed out because of the pressures of our finances and debt in our life. And so just right now, we want to humble ourselves before you and just say, Lord, help us. Help us. And empower us to take next steps so that we can get our finances in control. Help us in our hearts to, to, to be contented and to give you thanks and to take inventory of the good things in, your, in, our, in our lives that you put in our lives. To stop looking at what is in other people's bowls, but just to be thankful for what's in our bowl and to be happy and content and satisfied right where we're at this morning. And so, Lord, would you pour out that blessing on us? Would you give us a fresh measure of your grace so that we can go from here and we can start taking the appropriate steps to get in a place where we can be the people you've called us to be so that we can be generous in the way we live towards others? We need your help in this by the power of Jesus Christ. We've been reconciled to you, many of us. Now we're asking reconcile our finances to you <laughs> through the good news of Jesus Christ because we know there's power in that name. And so we pray it in his name. Amen. Well, church, hey, I love you. Uh, if you need prayer for anything, there will be people up front who would love to pray with you. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.